Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst. And I'm Scott Slade. And Scott is on staff with Master Plan Ministries, the same ministry I'm on staff with. I'm so excited to have Scott in the studio with us this morning. Welcome to The God Solution again, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nate. This is really exciting. So today we're going to be talking about something that I think hits really close to home for every single one of us, and that's the problem of pain, the problem of evil, the problem of suffering. We all experience pain and tragedy here on this planet, and it forces us to ask the question, why? Some atheists have put it this way, if God is good and all-powerful, how can evil exist? How can pain and suffering exist on this planet? If he was all-powerful and good... They wouldn't exist. For example, they would say if he was good, he would remove all pain, evil, and suffering. But we see it all around us. So either he's not good or he's not powerful. Either he's not good and he enjoys humans experiencing pain and suffering, or he's not powerful, all-powerful at least, and he cannot absolve us of pain and suffering and evil. So the problem seems very, very difficult. There are great answers to it. But it's a problem that we as Christians must answer. We can't be the only ones that are forced to answer this question, however. Atheists have to answer why anything is really evil. When Dawkins says that genocide is wrong, all the while endorsing infanticide through abortion, but when Dawkins, as an atheist, says that genocide is wrong, and he's right to say that, when he says it's wrong, though, he has no moral framework no objective moral values or standards by which to say anything is right nor wrong. He can't say some things are evil and wrong. He can't possibly, with a clear conscience, say genocide is wrong. We all know it's wrong, though. The fact that you know some things are right and wrong is in itself evidence for God. It's what we've described on this show. It is the moral argument for God's existence, which I think is compelling. In fact, that moral argument for God's existence drove atheist C.S. Lewis to Christ, drove modern atheist Francis Collins to Christ, and many others as well. So the reality is, is the fact that I know that there is evil in the world is itself evidence for, hey, good and all-powerful, all-loving God that's given me a standard by which I know some things are wrong. So again, the atheist doesn't have any answers for this problem. Well, let's look at Eastern religions, and this is just briefly, but Buddhists, Hindus, those believing in reincarnation, they can't explain the existence of evil. The only way they could say evil exists is if the universe is eternal. But if reincarnation has been happening for eternity, there shouldn't be any evil on the planet. So there again, they're stuck with the problem of evil and have no answers for it. I think as a Christian, we actually have the only coherent answers to the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. Here are a few of them. One, there's a free will purpose. And I've discussed this on the show before. You can go to godsolutionshow.com to get those shows on this problem. Today we're going to take a different twist with Scott, though. But going back to some of the Christian answers, we have two main answers. One is the free will answer, and that's the reality that God created us with free will. And he created us with free will so that we could choose to love him or choose not to love him. If he didn't give us that free will... We would have no choice, and we'd just be automatons. We wouldn't even be rational, moral agents that could choose for or against God. Nobody would want to live in a world like that. Nobody would want to be confined to a relationship like that. 
Knowing that, we can each choose to do very bad things. My wife went to Cambodia to work with women rescued from sex slavery, heard the most horrible stories she's ever heard in her life, but was brought face-to-face with the reality that humans can choose to use their free will selfishly in a way that the Bible describes as sin that really does produce evil, pain, and suffering in this world. When G.K. Chesterton was asked what the problem with the world was, he said, I am. Short but very accurate answer. Each one of us are part of the problem of what's wrong with this world. So this answer includes the reality that evil is the absence of good. It's failing to measure up to the good. It's not a quantity that God created, just like cold is not a quantity that God created. Cold is just the absence of heat, like evil is the absence of good. So God did not create evil, but it is the failure to live up to the standard that God gave us. That's one answer to the problem of evil that has traditionally been a good answer from the Christian perspective. Another is that there is a plan and a purpose in the pain and suffering around us. Scripture flat out tells us that God works everything for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, and that he refines us through bad situations and tragedies, even allowing those hard things to produce in us a harvest of righteousness, Scripture says. And if God can bring more people to salvation by allowing hard things in this temporary world, then bring more hard things now, because I want the most possible people to be in heaven for eternity with him. I've heard the analogy of a tapestry. When you look at a tapestry from the front, it looks beautiful, and everything looks just like it should. But when you look at it from the back, all you see is randomness and chaos, strings torn, things tied, all sorts of chaos and confusion. And sometimes when we look at this world, we see chaos and confusion. We can't imagine how it could possibly come together. But looking at it from the other side of eternity, it will all make perfect sense. Now, some might say, what about natural disasters? Well, there's a free will component to those as well. Obviously, from a Christian perspective, Adam and Eve sinned, introducing pain and misery and death into this world. And creating a whole lot of pain, suffering, and evil for the rest of us. So there's that historical free will component. But William Craig and others would argue that there's even a modern free will component. God allows us to live in a world where our choices have real consequences. I can choose to eat junk food every day. That might very well result in me getting sick. It might result in me getting cancer and dying. So some of the pain that I might experience is directly proportional to the choices that I make. God has so designed this world to make me aware of the reality that my choices have consequences. And he did that so that I would know that my choices in time have consequences in eternity. It's one way that he forces me to ask those existential questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What's the purpose and meaning of this life? How should I live? What comes next? So he's forced me to think through those questions so that I might find him. So there is a free will component even to those natural disasters and other issues that seem to lie outside of that free will realm. Additionally, there's a purpose component to them. God can allow horrible things to happen on this earth that's in a pattern of decay due to man's sin, but he can still allow those things in such a way to draw as many people to salvation in him as possible. 
Now, those, I think, are great answers. And again, I don't think any other worldview has anything even close. I think we as Christians have the strongest answers to the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. But all those answers are kind of theological, philosophical, even theoretical. They don't necessarily bring a whole lot of comfort when I'm right in the middle of tragedy, when I'm feeling pain for myself. And for that reason, I wanted to bring in Scott today, who I know, and who is going through a hard time in life. He recently lost his brother to cancer, and he and his family have dealt with a lot of pain and suffering the past seven months as a result of that. So I thought I would bring him in and ask him a few questions about how he's dealing with the emotional side of the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. Because this is where it really connects with real life. And I'm acutely aware of the reality that many of you in the audience today are facing this emotional problem of pain. Where is God when all this bad stuff is happening to me? Where is God when I am being hurt, when I'm facing cancer or death or the death of a loved one or divorce or a broken relationship or you name it? Where is God in the midst of all that? And to answer that question in a very personal way, here's Scott. Yeah, Nate, definitely. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. I'm really excited to, to be here today. And just to give a little background in my, my life, um, a good way to put it is when I was seven years old, my uncle actually committed suicide, and that was the, the first time I faced emotional issues myself and the pain, and really the first time I understood that. And that actually made me angry at God. I didn't have an understanding of any of these theological, philosophical, anything like that. I was seven years old. I just knew what I thought was good, and I thought God was good, but he let me have this pain, and that's that's where my story starts. I went through years of just doing goodwill-oriented things, trying to make myself happier, trying to take away the depression that I, I really was dealing with. You know, I helped in homeless shelters. I helped rebuild homes and all these different things. But ultimately, I came to a point at the end of high school where those things didn't solve my problem. They didn't make me feel good. They didn't make me happy. They didn't bring me the joy that I was seeking. And as I left high school, I was going into college, and I was ready to be done with the God that I knew. I was ready to be done with these good things because that's all God was to me, Nate. He was just this person that you have to do these, this and that, and you'll be happy. You'll be good to go. And that was a lie that I believed for so long. When I came to college, I met a man, and he asked me two questions. His first question for me was, what is your purpose in life? I quickly rattled off to him. I said, you know, I'm getting a career in business. I got a business management degree that I'm working on. I'd like to have a family, make lots of money, and at some point in my life, retire and just be happy, maybe even buy a boat and a vacation home somewhere. He then asked me a second question. He said, Scott, what out of all those things is going to give you eternal significance? And if you guys haven't heard that term, eternal significance, it's simply defined as something that gives value beyond your life and also outside of the realm of earth. So I started to think back to everything, my career, my job, the money, retirement, vacation home, my family. At some point, I'm going to die or they're going to die. And when that happens, I lose them and I lose the money. I lose the house. I lose everything. I had no eternally significant thing in my life at that point. And a verse that this man shared with me was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And that passage simply says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I realized at that moment when I read that verse in its true form, the real value of it, I can't 
do anything. Verse 9 says, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I was trying to do it by my own ability, and ultimately that didn't bring me any satisfaction. That didn't bring me what I was looking for. It didn't bring me purpose in my life. And then I went back to verse 8, and I realized it was by God's grace, a gift by him through my faith in him. I simply had to trust God with my life and allow him to work through me. And at that point, I found a purpose, a purpose that was way better than what I ever was chasing before, a purpose that was founded on Christ's love for me and a desire for him to love all people. He simply called me to love people and to show them his love, to be a messenger for Christ. And I've taken that message to heart. And uh, that's why I'm in full-time ministry with Master Plan Ministries. And my wife and I are just love sharing with people and working with them. But, yeah, Nate, what's your, what's your next question? Just give me some background there. Well, that's a great way to kind of come at this. And I love how God even used those formative years of your life to give you answers to this problem of pain as you dealt with pain from such an early age. So you kind of knew some of these theoretical, theological, philosophical answers to the problem of pain coming into the tragedy that you faced this past year. So what happened seven months ago? Yeah, well, actually, Nate, the story goes back about almost two years ago. My older brother, uh, he came and he told me, he called me on, it was September, I think it was September 8th, two years ago, and he said, hey, I've got cancer. I've got acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is a, a cancer in the blood. And I said, so what's supposed to happen? And he goes, I don't know. He said, I'm, I'm a little scared, to be honest. And I said, well, let me ask you something. Do you feel like you have security in Christ? Like, if you don't beat this, do you know where you're going? And he said, I think I'm going to heaven. And I said, do you not know? And he said, I don't think I do. And I started to challenge him at that point, moving forward. Um, kind of the story with that, he, he started the treatment. He went through chemotherapy. He was able to get a, a bone marrow transplant from my, bro- my other brother. I have two brothers. And it was a perfect match, which is rare. And my brother, at the exact same time, he got this job offer. He'd been out of work for a while. He got a job offer from a company that said, basically, once you take care of the cancer, come find us in a year and we'll be fine with you starting work then. So he had a job waiting for him for a whole entire year. But with that, this story, this part of his life, the cancer, is what really brought him back to Christ. My brother wasn't walking, in my opinion and my understanding, from just talking with him. And I don't think he even believed he was walking fully with Christ. Now, he said the prayer when he was a young kid at the age of five, like myself. But ultimately, he wasn't walking the way Christ had called him to. And with cancer around the corner and in his life now, he had to realize something. What was his purpose in life? The same question I had to answer for myself. And as he started to look at this, I started to challenge him every day. I'd meet up with him. I'd call him. I'd talk to him, text him. As he was in the hospital for over six months, and uh, about a month out of there, he was in a medically induced coma where he was essentially dead. The doctor said, if we don't, if we stop the medication he's on, he will not survive. His heart and his lungs were put on a ventilator. And I think when he came out of that, he didn't remember it, but when he came out of that, he knew God was giving him a second chance on his life. When he left the hospital in March of last year, he left the hospital and he was able to come back to Grand Junction, Colorado, where my parents live. And he was able to understand that God gave him that second life. And he met some guys who started sitting down with him, and myself included, sat down with him and really started to to walk through what it meant to have a relationship with Christ and a purpose because he realized for the first time that this pain, this suffering, the cancer that he had, that pointed back to the fact that what he was living his life for didn't give him value. My brother, I believe, honestly came to know Christ. Now, he started that job this last uh, September, 
exactly almost exactly a year from when he found out and got the job offer from cancer he started that job and they were it was great he worked for a few months um and he was able to go back and do the medical testing in the town he was living in and then he had to go back in for like a it was like a six-month checkup in november the end of november of last year and he went in and they found cancer again they found the acute lymphoblastic leukemia and at that point my brother was like okay god what is going on what are you doing to my life i thought i was over this and he was really wanting to be past it but god at that point decided you know what my brother's time was was there god made the decision that he wanted him in heaven more than he wanted him here here on earth now i can't give you the reasons why god took my brother i'd love to know them myself personally but ultimately i know i can trust god god promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us and in john chapter 14 it says in verse 27 it says peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, this is Jesus talking, and simply he's saying, I give you peace, but this peace is not of this world. We oftentimes seek the world's version of things, and the world's version of peace is not death. It's something that makes us happy and feel good. But God's version of peace is this security. It's this hope in Jesus Christ, the fact that we can walk and truly understand who Christ is, and the fact that he loves us and he cares about us, and he never leaves us, no matter what happens. Now, Nate, I know you were kind of talking about this a little bit ago, uh, the, kind of the cause of, of pain and suffering or tragedy, right? And I was thinking about that a little bit. You know, you went through a lot of good theological and even some philosophical points there, the free will um, being one that really stands out to me. Now, before my brother passed, I understood some of this, being in ministry and whatnot, have studied it myself um, various times. And people ask me this question all the time. Well, why is there why is there evil? Why is there pain and suffering? And it would be easy to say, Nate, well, it's because we're sinful. That's the simple answer. But you know what? That doesn't give us any understanding of our character, of the decision we made. We have to go back to the beginning of time when there was free will. Because the reality is this, Nate, with free will, if we don't have a choice, we don't have free will. If I offer you two of the exact same thing and somebody looks at it, it's not a choice. It's simply this exact same thing being offered to you twice. God wants us to choose his love. He wants us to choose his heart. He doesn't want to make us robots, people who just walk around saying, we love you, God, we worship you. We love you, God, we worship you. He wants a real, personal, living, breathing relationship with every single person in the world. Now, my brother is a great example. His life before he found out about cancer was not one that pointed back to God. It was one that pointed to self. Um, and ultimately, he really had this point where he didn't care. He didn't go to church very much. He didn't need God in his life, in his opinion. He was just living life, having fun, spending money as he wanted to. When cancer hit him, though, it became real. The problem, the tragedy in this story would have been if my brother didn't find Christ and he had died. Because the fact is, he would have gone to hell. He wouldn't have gone to heaven. And when I asked him that question in the beginning... If you die, where are you going? Are you going to heaven or hell? And he said, I think I'm going to heaven. He wasn't confident in that. Now, months before he found out he had cancer a second time that he had come back and he had passed away in January of, um, of this year, I asked him the same question. I said, hey, do you know where you're going now? Like if this cancer does come back and something happens, are you truly at, with the peace of God, the peace that Jesus talks about in John chapter 14, peace that's not of this world? And he simply said, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I know this. I know God is in my life, and I know God cares about me. 
you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM in Durango and KDUR.org online. I'm talking with Scott Slate of Master Plan Ministries about the tragedy that he's dealt with this past year, his brother dying, and how God has walked through him with that, comforting him in spite of the pain and suffering that he's experiencing. So, Scott, as you've talked about this, you've mentioned how, yeah, God had a purpose in allowing this, and that purpose, at least as far as we can see, and I'm sure there's more to it, but was to bring your brother into relationship with him so that he could spend an eternity with God in heaven. What a great hope to look forward to. Now that you know that, that's important, but I'm sure that there's still a lot of personal pain as you deal with this. How are you dealing with that personal component of that pain? Yeah, Nate, that, that personal component, I would put it simply as it's, it's an emotional pain. It's something that it's no longer physical. It's not physically ailing my body like a sickness would, but it, it nags at the back of my mind. It's always there. I'm always wondering, you know, what if, what if I get cancer? What if I have this problem? What if I face this? How can I move on in my life without knowing that, you know, this next Thanksgiving and the next Christmas, my brother won't be there? And knowing that the conversation that I had with him last was one that really honestly didn't matter. It was a conversation simply about what we were going to do for dinner. I ultimately have to come back to Christ. There, There is no other solution in my mind and my understanding that gives me great comfort or joy. Ultimately, Christ says in John uh, 14, it says, Peace I leave with you. I mentioned this earlier in the in the show. That peace is something that I have. My brother had it at the end before he found out he had cancer again. He had the peace that he knew about Christ in his life and that he was going to heaven. But that same peace is different for me. I have peace knowing that my brother is in heaven. I have peace knowing that, you know, it's hard. I wake up sometimes in a cold sweat thinking, man, I'm never going to see my brother again this side of heaven. But the joy that comes from knowing that I have a personal relationship with Christ and I will see my brother in heaven gives me so much strength and encouragement. And if we look in John chapter 16, in verse 33, it says, I have said these things, and again, this is Jesus talking to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, the thing that stands out to me, Nate, and to everyone, is the fact that we will have God's peace in our lives. Through the Holy Spirit living within inside me, I have peace. But he makes a promise here as well. He says, in the world. So when we live in the flesh, when we live in this world, as long as we're living on earth, we're going to have tribulation. And then he makes another promise. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The beauty in that picture for me that gives me comfort and allows me to be able to move on with my life is the fact that I know Christ is living in me and he has overcome all these problems. He's overcome cancer, natural disaster, relationships, the loss of loved ones, friends, whatever it may be, whatever pain is troubling you, ultimately God has overcome that. And it's simply the matter that we have to turn to him and ask for his strength and ask him to give us peace in that. And ultimately, with Christ in our life, we have comfort. Now, that doesn't promise that you'll never face pain. That would be a silly statement for us to say. But it does promise that we'll have comfort. We will have this unearthly peace, something you can't find on this earth. It only comes from Christ and Christ alone and his death on the cross, carrying the real source of the problem, sin. My brother's cancer, I honestly believe, goes back to sin. Our choice in the very beginning, Genesis says that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that God told them not to. Sin is simply put, is defying God's will, going against what God wants us to do. 
Now, God doesn't want us to do bad things. He doesn't want us to do the perfect will of ourselves. He wants us to just simply love him and love others. Do as he does. He loves you. He loves me. He loves Nate. He loves every single person in the world. And we have to understand that that peace comes out of that love, that overpowering, undescribable, really, love. So is that, does that answer your question, Nate? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so wonderful to know that we can have these theological and philosophical and theoretical answers to the problem of pain, suffering, and evil that are actually the best answers known to human beings. But at the same time, it doesn't end there. I love God. I love how Jesus is so relevant in my life. He isn't just theoretical, but he's relevant on a personal level. And he meets us where we're at and comforts us with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Nate, I definitely agree with that. And you know, one more thing with that is the reality that my life is my life. God is orchestrating every aspect of it so I can bless others. He has called me. My purpose is to love others. Now, my brother's death, it it's rough. It's not the easiest thing I've ever dealt with. But the reality is this. I meet someone else down the road who's just experienced the exact same thing or something similar to that, losing the loss of a loved one, and I can help them walk through it. I can say, hey, look, I, I know the pain. I don't know where exactly you're at, but I know the pain. I've been there. I've felt the emotions. I've woken up in the middle of the night. I haven't been able to sleep right after my brother passed for hours on end. My wife would ask me, did you get much sleep? No, I didn't. But I know where you're at. But I also know what's on the other side. I know how it ends. We know the finishing battle. But yeah, Nate, that's that's really how God orchestrates our lives. He uses everything, good or bad, to help reach and love others. Absolutely, and that is the hope that we have in Christ. There's no other hope. If you want to look more into this, so if you're thinking, yep, I really need to look into those answers to see if they're good answers to this problem, I would encourage you to start with The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. In that, he makes the following deep insight and statement he says we can ignore even pleasure but pain insists upon being attended to god whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience but shouts in our pains it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world the problem of pain by c.s lewis is a good place to look i would also encourage you to read if god is good by randy alcorn again that's if god is good by randy alcorn now, if you're listening today and you're saying, I don't understand the peace that Scott talked about, I don't have that comfort that Scott talked about, the Bible tells you that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life, and the greatest part of that plan is a relationship with him that is so real that it permeates every part of your day, day after day, every day of your life. And that relationship is based in God's love for you that nothing you could ever do would ever absolve you of that love. He will love you forever. Unfortunately, the Bible says that you and I are sinful, and that just means that we're selfish and that we're imperfect, that we don't measure up to who God is. And our sin has separated us eternally from the perfect God, who is not sinful in any way. He's loving, I'm not loving. He's kind, I'm not always kind. I'm not perfect, he is perfect. Left that way, I would have nothing to look forward to other than an eternity apart from him and what the Bible calls hell. The good news is that God didn't leave us there. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, to die on the cross, paying for my sin, dying the death that I deserved so that I could be reconciled with God for all of eternity. Jesus paid for my sins and yours so that anyone who would put their faith and trust in him would be adopted into his family, forgiven of their sin, being able to look forward to a life of meaning and purpose here on this planet and an eternity with him in heaven. 
If you've never taken that step, I would ask you to take that this morning to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins. I put my faith and my trust in you, knowing that you rose to give me new life. Please be my Savior and Lord. The Bible says if you took that step this morning, you're his child, and you can look forward to an eternity with him in heaven and a life of meaning and purpose and that peace that surpasses understanding that Scott talked about here on this earth. Please go to GodSolutionShow.com to check out more about this topic and many others. And please, while you're there, check out the list of local churches and find a church that you could get plugged into this morning. As we close, Scott, anything else you want to say? No, Nate, I'm just really excited. You know, the the fact that it's been seven months now, and I honestly, the pain that was there, it's not there anymore because that peace comes in and Christ has overcome that pain. But it takes a matter of choice. Like you said, it, it's our decision. We have to accept Christ into our lives, and we have to fully trust him, put our faith in him, and know that he will He will not let us down. His promises are truth, and we can stand on those truths no matter what we face in life, whether it be death, a loss of a job, pain, whatever it might be, any tragedy, any emotional experience we face. That's, that's really where we have to stand on is that truth. Thanks, Nate. Absolutely, Scott. Thanks for being on the show today. Like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.